and this is the only law that tells us the why. A well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms is because of the necessity of securing a free state. It's not about personal security. It's not about self-defense. It's not about when someone kicks in the door or the bump in the night or, or um, you know, someone attacking you in the dark alley. The Second Amendment, a lot of people don't like this, but these are the facts. The Second Amendment is about preserving the Republic. Get ready for the uncloseted conservative hour you've been waiting for. No censors, no fake news, just facts and the freedom to speak them. Friends, if you are still in the conservative closet, I've got one question for you. Why? We've sat in silence. We've been on the sidelines for years. How has it been working out? That's why it's an uncloseted conservative revolution right here, right now. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host and the original Uncloseted Conservative. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be an awesome show talking about some controversial uh, topics and giving my perspective on those topics. We're going to be talking about uh, firearms and their, their proper use and the reason uh, for the Second Amendment. We're going to be bringing out some old school... Uh, founding fathers' opinions about uh, uh, firearms use in an armed society and and the ever-loving militia, what it is, what it is not. Uh, but before we get into that, huge thanks to Birch Gold for presenting today's show. Today's show is presented by Birch Gold Group. They are the answer if the question is, how am I going to secure the value of my hard-earned dollar? You need a precious metals IRA. You need to get it from Birch Gold, and they're standing by to help. All you got to do to get started, is text Mobley to 989898. That's Mobley to 989898. Text Mobley to 989898. They will get your free information kit on what a precious metals IRA is, how it is very akin to a 401k or an IRA that you might have uh, with a private brokerage firm. They also have physical gold and silver products that are available at birchgold.com. Uh, make sure you use promo code Mobley over there. So let's get into today's show. All right. So guys, I'm doing something that I have not done before, but I'm using uh, a script-ish. Um, I, I'm using a, a script light, I guess you could say, uh, just because there's so many things and I really want to get everything. I really want to get all of my thoughts um, out to you. So I'm just going to give my face a wipe because it's very warm in here. Uh, but anyway, I, I want to make sure that I don't miss any of the thoughts or statements that I want to make about these important topics. Um, not that other shows aren't important topics, but I uh, really want to make sure that I get this right. Um, and even so, I'm probably going to say something that 
just rubs you the wrong way. I'm probably going to say something that you disagree with. I would love to hear your thoughts, um, you know, win, lose, or draw, whether we agree or disagree. You know, I love being proven wrong because right after that, I'm on your team. When, when you come to me and you say, hey, you know, this is, this is wrong, this is a misunderstanding, and you, you map out for me, you show me that, that I'm wrong, you show me that there's a better way, a more accurate way, a more logically or theologically sound way, then I get it. I, I'm, I'm on your team, you know? Uh, this, is, this is just basic rules for living. So the best way to get in touch with me um, with those thoughts is go ahead and email them to ask at djmobleyshow.com. Uh, the email address is in the description below. But it's ask as an ask a question. Um, ask at djmobileshow.com is the email address. Go ahead and send me your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. Uh, so the first thing is we've got to get beyond the, the hashtag culture when we talk about these things. And the hashtag culture, there, there are these pithy lines. They're all over Twitter. Um, but it's things like pew pew life, 2A, come and take it. Um, those types of things. We we need to get beyond that in the discourse because one, it's not winning us any friends. It's not helping us, you know, advance on the field. It, it's really not. Um, I try not to use it in civil discourse because I don't find it to be useful. Um, I like to talk about crime statistics. I like to talk about uh, gun-free zones being the most likely place uh, for mass casualty attacks to happen. I like to talk about the fact uh, that violence um, from someone who you know is the most common type of violence. Um, also, workplace violence. One of the the places that you are most likely to be attacked violently are at home and at work. Um, those, those are just the facts of life. And, and we, we argue so much about how to make society safer to mitigate mass shootings, to mitigate mass casualty events. Mass casualty events aren't important. They're such a small percentage of gun deaths or such a small percentage of violent crimes. If we obliterated them, if, if we had minority report type law enforcement that come down right now and absolutely eliminate mass casualties, it wouldn't move the needle at all. Uh, we, we would still have exactly the same violence that we have right now. Um, so just going to check on the feed real quick because I'm getting, getting some messages that it might not be functioning properly. All right. Well, uh, seems to be up. Hmm. Well, it is coming in and out. So while I'm looking at this, guys, thanks for watching. However, it is that you consume the show, uh, whether you're a podcast listener, um, whether you're YouTube, Rumble, uh, Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Facebook, and, uh, I think Getter is the last platform. Guys, thanks so much. Make sure that you like and subscribe to the show, however you're consuming it, um, because that's very important. And let's see here. Boom, boom, boom. 
All right. So yeah, make sure that you're liked and subscribed to the show. Uh, if you're a podcast listener, go ahead and rate and review the show. And the best thing for everyone to do is share it with someone who you know will either enjoy this content or share it with someone who will be challenged by it and might want to um, you know, engage in a conversation with someone who's not going to uh, bite their head off. Um, but anyway, the, the hashtag culture. So when we engage in this hashtag hashtag type mentality, we get things wrong. One of the biggest things that we get wrong, we've bought into the false narrative is what the intended purpose of firearms are. And we, we get caught in the argument between target shooting, plinking, paper targets, hunting, um, and we're trying, to, we're trying to gain ground. We're trying to move towards success or, or you know, the field goal line or whatever, um, and we land at self-defense. That's where so many of us land at is self-defense, um, either defense of self, defense of others. Um, sometimes it extends out to defense of property and livelihood. All of those are natural rights, and all of those are included um, all of those are included in the Constitution, but actually not in the Second Amendment. Uh, so let's actually pull up the Second Amendment, which was something I was supposed to do before the show started and forgot. So just a moment, if you'll bear with me. Um, but yeah, the, the Second Amendment is really, really an amazing uh, piece of legislation. And that's what it is. It's a piece of legislation. Um, now, one, the Second Amendment, let's just read it right off the top. The Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The Second Amendment is the only amendment in the Constitution. It's the only law in the Constitution established, including in the articles that establish the makeup of the federal government, that tells you why it exists. You know, this is that classic Simon Sinek start with why. The Constitution is how we are going to govern. The Constitution is how this government is going to operate. The Declaration of Independence is why a long train of usurpations that's why, because of tyranny. That's why we are casting off such government and standing up something as we're standing as the safeguards for um, our future and our posterity. So that's the why. This is the only, the, the declaration, this is the only law that tells us the why. A well-regulated militia being a necessary for the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms is because of the necessity of securing a free state. It's not about personal security. It's not about self-defense. It's not about when someone kicks in the door or the bump in the night or, or um, you know, someone attacking you in the dark alley. The Second Amendment, a lot of people don't like this, but these are the facts. The Second Amendment is about preserving the Republic. It's about the continued existence. It's about ensuring longevity for the United States of America, that we can exist in the nation that the founders made. Being necessary to secure that, to keep it free, to keep it autonomous, to keep it from coast to coast, border to border, this is us, not you, not China, not Russia, 
not Europe, the United States. To secure that free state, these free states of people here, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is saying that we can own weapons to protect against invasion and tyranny. So from foreign militaries, from foreign nation states, foreign intelligence service, whatever, a globalist elite, that counts in there, but also domestic enemies, also a tyrannical government securing the free state. If the state starts to morph into something else, say the government gets too big for its britches and they decide that they want to get in the tyranny game, the Second Amendment protects against that. That's what it's for. You got to understand that the founders, they lived in a time when, when you're looking at that late 1700s, 1776 to 1791, and you're looking at this time where all of this stuff is being stamped out and, and figured out, they're already living in a time where protection was known to be personal, that you were already known. Like if you were going to be safe out in society, you had to secure your body and your autonomy yourself because there were uh, the, the enemies were at the gate everywhere. Going out in public was, was not safe. Kind of like today, you, the government can do nothing to assure you that you aren't going to be faced with an attacker, an enemy, whatever you want to call them. The government can do nothing to ensure that you are not going to face a knife, stick, gun, um, you know, physical assault, any of those types of things as you're moving about in free society, no matter what. No matter what country you're in, no matter how tyrannical the government is, they're going to have robbers, they're going to have rapists, they're going to have home invaders, they're going to have car thieves, they're going to have all of these things. The government cannot and will not ever be able to thwart off that. You put laws in place with harsh punishments to dissuade bad actors from doing it because there is a severe consequence. Now, that breaks down um, in systems like we have right now, reality versus on paper, when prosecutors, are, when prosecutors don't actually prosecute crime. A uh, huge problem. If a prosecutor is not going to prosecute crime, then the law is just a, a paper thing, nothing more than that. It doesn't truly, truly exist. But they lived in this time where they knew animals uh, in, and sometimes in the, before that, we're talking really in the colonial period, uh, the constant warring with Native Americans, um, all of the different Native American tribes. They weren't all saying Kumbaya and white people showed up and they were like, this is our, uh, our, un our sole enemy. No, 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 no. There, there were warring tribes all over uh, the continent. And if, when you're just going out, you know, you would have to face that. You would have to face harsh conditions from the elements. You would have to face animals. You would have to face uh, the indigenous people groups, who, whomever they were, whatever tribe, you know, multiple tribes if you were going on a long journey. So your personal protection was your own. When you're out there, it's just you and God and God's creation. And some things that God created, they, they like to do harm. Um, so the Second Amendment does not address that. That doesn't have anything to do with the necessity for securing a free state. And that was so common sense. Like self-defense was so common sense. They did not make 
a point about it. Of course, if someone is trying to steal, kill, and destroy your your property, your life, your loved ones, or others, defense of others doctrine, of course you can stand in the gap and do something about that. You also got to understand that they lived in a time where they didn't have police like we know police to be. Um, these police states, these these large police organizations, is very much a modern advent in history. Um, now they've been they had sheriffs, which are elected officials, and their deputies, um, which is accountable to the people. They did not have huge police departments like NYPD, LAPD, Chicago PD. These huge, massive police departments with unilateral, uh, you know, unchecked rule from a police chief who's an appointee, who's not accountable to the people, who is like a Dr. Fauci, but not in the medical profession in the law enforcement capacity. You got to understand, this was also a time where the law enforcement profession was about solving crimes and seeking justice not crime prevention. I think crime prevention is really bad. And I've been on the other side of this issue. I was on the other side of the coin. I was for no-knock warrants. I'm now against them. I was wrong about that. And I've apologized about that on this program. Um, I was for uh, supporting both the police department and the sheriff's department um, and federal agencies. I at at one point in my career, I was seeking employment with federal law enforcement agencies. I was wrong about that, and and I'm I'm no longer um, going down those avenues. And I think federal law enforcement agencies are by and large unconstitutional, except for the one that's found in there, the uh, the United States Marshal Service, 1971, 1791, rather. I think I said 1971 early in the show. I meant 1791. Um, yeah, 1770 to 1791, 92. Um, but anyway. Sheriffs and their deputies, that's constitutional law enforcement. Um, when you need to go beyond that, fugitive task force, um, when you need to go across multiple states, that's what the United States Marshal Service is for. Uh, we're talking federal fugitives, federal prosecution. We, we don't need a federal Bureau of Investigation. I completely support the defunding and the dismantling of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, ATF, DA. Um, huge portions of uh, ODNI, DHS-type organizations. I fully support the defunding and dismantling of them. Um, they do more harm than good. But when you, when you think about that, it's really a modern thing. When you think about dictators, when you think about these regimes that have existed throughout history, it was a military state. And the reason it was a military state, not a police state, Thinking Alexander the Great, thinking the Caesars, um, the Roman Empire, Ottoman Empire, um, um, dynasty, uh, oriental type empires, they're military states because law enforcement didn't exist in the way that we had we have it today. It's very much a, a recent thing in history that we have these police states because there wasn't a, a military and a police force where the military is outward facing, the police force is inward facing, and they're charged with preventing crime. That switch to crime prevention is the linchpin and a lot of the issues that we have. If law enforcement goes back to responding to emergencies, um, crime is being committed or very likely about to occur, or 
investigating crimes, not, I mean, maybe not even really patrolling, maybe not doing, um, it's not stop and frisk, it's stop question and frisk. Um, and maybe if that stuff is to continue, it should only be done by sheriffs and their deputies and the marshal service on the federal level. And the marshal service should only be pointed at people that have crossed that threshold that now they're being prosecuted or they've escaped from prison or they fled bail or something like that. Um, anyway, so I was wrong about that. Uh, law enforcement, they, they shouldn't be crime prevention oriented. They should be stopping bad things from happening um, just before while they're occurring uh, or investigating crimes and doing everything that they can to see that justice is served. Not that a reason for serving justice is, is prevented, but when an injustice occurs, justice is brought to bear against those who perpetrated the injustice. There, it's a lot of words and a lot of different avenues, but there, there's an essential difference in, in just that. Um, all right, so getting back on to the Second Amendment. Um, you, we just have to understand a lot of the founding fathers' thoughts about these things. Uh, so I pulled up some quotes. Man, I'm already 20 minutes into this. I am behind. Uh, but let's just see what some of them had to say about these things. Can I flip this the other way? Whoops, that's the wrong one. There we go. All right, so James Monroe uh, says the right of self-defense never ceases. It is among the most sacred and alike necessary to nations and to individuals. This is one of the only instances when you, when you look at their personal writings, their letters, their journal entries, and then uh, transcripts of their, their public speeches, um, this is where you can get some insight into their political philosophy and particularly into their governing philosophy and theological philosophies as well. Um, because you got to understand that they were very well versed in systems of government and democracies and republics and dictatorships. They, they had, uh, Plato's Republic. They had, um, you know, the, the writings of, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, Aristotle, they really took advantage of the lessons of history and did something special at this time. This is, I put this in here because it's one of the things that speaks to personal safety. But it's so common sense. And everyone knew that. And all of these nations, and nations where they didn't really have freedom, they knew that you had the right to protect yourself. So the, the sacred self-defense, the security of the individual is considered last. But they're really talking, this is kind of pointing to the Second Amendment, the security of nations. All right, because I'm running behind, I'm going to cut down. All right, Joe, let's, there we go. Cut down on some of what I was going to say about that. We're going to move on to old TJ, everyone's favorite white supremacist who was actually uh, not a white supremacist and wanted to see the slaves freed, but inconvenient facts of history. Let's move on. This is Thomas Jefferson. Um, who says, none but an armed nation can dispense with a standing army. Got to understand this. There was a wild debate, uh, a huge debate among the founding fathers 
about having a standing army and not having a standing army. Now, these are different. They're not mincing words. They know that there's a difference between a militia and an army. An army is like, I served in the army. It's an organized entity that is a full-time thing that trains for war, prepares for war, and fights wars. Uh, not not the humanitarian efforts and not whatever else it is. Border security is something an army can do because the border security, by definition, is also a threat against foreign invasion because to be invaded from outside, the invaders need to penetrate the border. So, yes, border security is a proper function of a standing army, but they didn't want a standing army. Many of them didn't want a standing army. The president of the United States, George Washington, the literal commander of the Continental Army, George Washington, did not want a standing army. He did not want foreign entanglements. He didn't want um, getting, he didn't want the nation getting involved with all of these foreign wars. So much so, knowing that it was such a bulwark against uh, tyrannical government to remove the tool of the tyrant, which is the military, they were very peckish about having a standing army in peacetime. I've always been against that. I've always been, of course, we need to have a standing army. Now, uh, at, I don't know when it happened, but I'm, I'm 33 now. We could say my 33rd, 32nd year, whatever. I am against standing armies. I, I've moved over to the team of... Uh, of Jefferson and Washington, we are safe as a nation without an army because we have more guns than people in the nation. You look at the Cold War, you talk to the admirals, you talk to the generals, and the insurmountable obstacle for foreign invaders to the United States is private gun ownership. It's not the military. The military has been ping-ponging back and forth fluctuating between a strong, vibrant military and a very gender-confused military like we have right now where admirals have diagnosed mental illness um, and, and Department of Defense officials at the highest levels have diagnosable mental illness that we're not allowed to call mental illness anymore because somehow that's like killing trans unicorns in Uganda or something like that. Uh, but yeah, they believed so strongly in the power of the people and the threat that people pose as an armed society and how that threat manifests in increased security. An armed society is a polite society, thwarting off foreign invaders, uh, thwarting off home invasion and other types of violent activity because people know this target, this victim is very likely armed. They understood that to the extreme that they said we can dispense with a standing army. He said none but an armed nation can dispense with a standing army. The reason that we can dispense with our standing army, that we don't need Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, Army, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Space Force, the reason that we don't need them is because we are an armed nation. Super simple. Lots of people don't know this. Uh, by the way, I got these slides courtesy of ammo.com. Um, so I don't think they're linked below, but I'll link them. I'll link them below. And also it's just super simple to remember. It's literally ammo.com. Like ammo. Like hashtag pew pew life, like we talked about in the beginning. Um, so kudos to those guys. Thanks for putting these up. Super appreciate that. All right. So Patrick Henry. 
Uh, Patrick Henry, another guy that everyone says uh, is an evil white supremacist founder, even though um, he gave his famous peace, peace, but there is no peace. Is life so dear, peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Um, even though he gave that in his famous give me liberty or give me death speech. No, peace is not so sweet that it can be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. And an obvious, um, an obvious shot at the king and the the slave trade and the slave practices of the day. Um, calling for give me liberty or give me death, like actual freedom to include dispensing with the practice of slavery. But no one wants to talk about that because it cuts against the Ibram X. Kendi, the Robin D'Angelo, the Al Sharpton race-baiting narrative. Um, Patrick Henry was not pro-slavery. He was not a white supremacist. He was a great American. Um, he writes here, are we at last brought to such a humiliating and debasing degradation that we cannot be trusted with arms for our own defense? Excellent point here. It, it is humiliating and debasing to be unworthy of being trusted with protecting and preserving your own life, liberty, property, and pursuits of happiness with the use and ownership of firearms. Like that, that is humiliating. That is that is like you are so irresponsible, you're like a child as an adult, the, the civilization at large. Um, is is what he's saying here. They they would have taken this as a serious burn. Like this would have been delivered like a somewhere between a harsh rebuke and like getting roasted by Dave Chappelle. Like somewhere in between there is is what this is. Where is the difference between having our arms in the possession and under our own direction and having them under the management of Congress? Not a huge fan of Congress myself. <sighs> Guys, wanting government institutions over healthcare and over the uh, the management of firearms, that that's the same thing as handing it all over to the DMV and how squared away the DMV is or the post office. It, it's utter nonsense. He goes on, if our defense be the real object of having those arms, and whose hands can they be trusted with more propriety or equal safety to us as in our own hands? Guys, Patrick Henry was anything but an unintelligent man. He was very well-read, very, uh, a very learned man. And he, he knew what he's doing. He is attacking the idea of the reverse nirvana fallacy in whose hands but our own. If it's about protecting me, when they say it's about your right to choose, the thing that makes the most sense is giving you all of the authority to choose. It doesn't make any sense to protect your right to do something by taking that choice or taking that ability away from you, like protecting your right to choose healthcare by taking the choice away and making you do this. Protecting your right to vote. Like, I fully believe that the left wants to eliminate in-person on-the-day voting. I, I fully believe that that's a part of their agenda. Um, right now, they're achieving it through perpetual states of emergency, very conveniently timed and well 
placed emergency measures for that seem to come around every election cycle, thinking monkeypox, thinking this November, thinking obvious shenanigans and more ballot harvesting and uh, ballot trafficking and nonsense with the you know Dominion and the ballot drop boxes and all that nonsense. Go watch Rick. Go watch the Zuckerberg stuff um, to learn more about that or go watch 2,000 Mules. But how does it make sense that the weapons are for our safety, but we're not responsible enough to have them? Congress is going to dictate the management of said weapons. He's saying this is obvious nonsense. If it's really about our defense, if it's really about protecting us, if our defense be the real object of having the arms, if that's what it's about, then of course they're supposed to be stored and maintained and handled and used by us. But they love to do this thing. The government loves to do this thing. They keep saying public. If you haven't caught on, public means government. A public school is a government school. A public safety measure is actually securing the government's place of authority and the government's power over you. So whenever you hear the word public, you actually need to know that the individual is getting smaller. This is what Ayn Rand writes about, Atlas Shrugged, Fountainhead. Public means stamp out the individual, the collective on top of that, and the government seated as the ultimate authority, pushing down on everything, on the collective, and ultimately crushing the individual. That's what public means. And Patrick Henry, way ahead of his time, um, this argument, this line of reasoning can be used to debunk all sorts of government overreach. If defense be the object of having the arms, if safety be the object of the mandate, um, if freedom or the ability to choose is the object of the regulation, you, you can put a lot of different things into this formula that who should be the ultimate authority and whose hands can they be trusted with more propriety? You, you superimpose this formula and you become Ron Swanson. You realize that so much of what the government is trying to do are unconstitutional overreaches and a bunch of nonsense. And if our rights, our defense, our safety, our flourishing be the real object of fill-in-the-blank measure and whose hands and whose ability to choose and whose God-given and constitutionally recognized and upheld rights can they be more trusted with. Um, so excellent, excellent governmental tests uh, that Patrick Henry gives us there. All right, we got Richard Henry Lee, a much lesser known uh, founding father, but this is an excellent quote. So glad Amo.com you guys had this in here. Um, it says, a militia, when properly formed, are in fact the people themselves. These are the thoughts of the founding fathers. These are the thoughts of the day in the late 1700s of the turn of the century into the 1800s. The people are obviously a militia. These are the same people having the debate that we do not need a standing army saying that there's a difference between an army and a militia. You got to understand these Lexington and Concord uh, 
battle warriors. These are everyday people. These are pastors preaching sermons, taking off their robes to reveal military uniforms and looking out into the congregation and saying, men who will go and fight. You cannot call that an army. These are people that go back to their cabins, go back to their homes. Today, it would be going out to the parking lot and to your truck, getting your AR-15, maybe have a go bag in there, getting your boots, getting some food, kissing your wife and family goodbye, and going into battle. Huge difference between a militia. Uh, In states like this, the Virginia Constitution, the Virginia Code, they knew that tyranny of this type was coming, so they fought it off. I think Tennessee or Kentucky also has language like this and several other states. But every fighting age uh, male, he, he goes on, Richard Henry really goes on and says, uh, I'll start back at the top, but militia when properly formed are in fact the people themselves and include all men capable of bearing arms. This is what you're seeing in the Ukraine when they're turning around, fighting age men, anyone, I don't know, 16 to say 65, uh, they're turning them back at the border and saying, you're going to stay and you're going to fight. This is your homeland. You are fighting age male. You're capable of bearing arms. You are the militia. You can call it an army. It's not the Ukrainian army. It's a hastily made militia of people with privately owned firearms. Um, But anyway, I digress. This This is us going out to the parking lot Um, to your car, to your truck, whatever, getting the tools that you have in there and going out to battle. That's militia. Here in Virginia, it is written into the Virginia Code, um, which I really love this because it just tells you suck it to the ATF and their rules and regulations. Because honestly, and maybe I ought to bring, maybe I ought to bring this suit. Maybe I, you know, can cut down this barrel and bring this suit against the federal government and against the ATF because Virginia has a thing called the unorganized militia. This is any fighting age male. Everyone is a member of it unless you choose not to be. So they, they can't mandate the service, not a draft type thing. But just by being a resident of the state and you're in between, I think it's 16 and 65, you're already a member. You're a member of what's called the unorganized militia. That means that your right to keep and bear arms, no matter how, you know, no matter how the leftist lunatic is reading the uh, the Constitution, they're they're using the word militia, and it's like, oh well, you know, Virginia clearly states um, that I am a member of the militia. The Constitution of the state says that. Unless Congress wants to go there, they're already usurping authority from the federal constitution. Why don't they stomp all over the state's constitutions as well? We, we see that happening. Ah. But a militia includes all men capable of bearing arms. Richard Henry Lee, I fully agree. I know that there are some kick-butt women out there. But no, I, I don't believe that that's a part of the design. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion when things break out, when violence breaks out, when the homeland needs to be defended, that the foregone conclusion is the women need to go and fight. No, I, I do not believe that is true. I do not believe that is is sewn into the social fabric. I, I think that is a man's place. And if you disagree, then you're entitled to your own wrong opinion. That's fine. Not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, and last but certainly not least, we've got James Madison, a very well-known founding father, uh, one of the authors of The Federalist, which you guys know is where I draw a lot of my beliefs about 
government and why the Constitution is gives us the first benevolent form of government. Um, <clears throat> Madison says here, the ultimate authority resides in the people alone. The advantage of being armed, which the Americans possess over the people of almost every other nation, forms a barrier against the enterprises of ambition. The enterprises of ambition forming a barrier against those. This is the World Economic Forum. This is the, the World Health Organization or the World Hypnosis Organization, as I like to call it. Uh, this is overbearing federal agencies that are born out of executive order, born out of a phone and a pen. And now we have the Federal Bureau of Injustice. Uh, we have 87,000 IRS agents who uh, the IRS is the only, it's not a regulatory agency, it's a federal law enforcement agency. These are 1811 series federal agents with statutory powers of arrest, with a gun, with a badge, with the ability to throw you into the deepest, darkest hole and have you investigated for um, everything from tax evasion up to uh, terrorism, espionage, those types of things. The authority of a federal law enforcement agent is unbelievable. These are those enterprises of ambition. The ultimate authority resides in the people alone. The advantages of being armed the advantages of being armed, which the Americans possess over the people of almost every other nation, this freedom only exists here, forms a barrier against the enterprises of ambition. This is being necessary to secure a free state is what this quote is about, about putting off the ambitions of enterprises that are trying to empower themselves, give themselves more power. All of those groups that I just named, you know, let's make this bigger so you can see it. All of those groups that I just named, they want the power. They don't want states. They don't want federal governments. They don't want individual nation states to have the power. They want the power as a great collective. That's what the World Economic Forum is about. You will own nothing and be happy. Stated goals on their website. Go and look at it for yourself on their website. It is 2022 right now while you're listening to this, and they have that stated goal being accomplished by 2030. That's less than eight years. They want world domination in less than eight years, and they're moving steadily towards it. All right, so I'm going to, this one is good. I'm going to leave it up there so you can see it. Um, a couple more thoughts. Uh, I should be able to finish on time. Um, should be able to finish on time, um, but I'll, I'll share a couple more thoughts on that with you guys. Uh, thanks so much for watching DJ Mobley Show. Make sure you email me your thoughts at ask at show.com. The email address is ask at show.com. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. However, you're consuming this content. And guys, the, the one of the best ways that you can support the show, uh, we've got a promotion going on right now. I'll get that discount code down there for you. Um, but you make sure that you head over to djmobleyshow.com. Don't be distracted by the, the flashing images and the promo code FREEDOM for 10% off. Don't be distracted by that right now because we are facing so many threats, so much tyranny. I am running a limited time offer, 30% off the entire 
shop. You got to use the promo code stand your ground more than use the promo code. You actually got to stand your ground. Go ahead, uh, get to those products here, some of them for you. Now, originally, when I put this promo out there, it was only for um, it was only for the stand and fight type merchandise, uh, the uh, the three percenter shirt, the all faster than dialing nine one one, which is true. And I I want you to get this stuff. I I do not get rich off of this. I can assure you that um, I, these are these are priced as low as I can give them to you uh, for. But the thing is, something changes in you when you are who you say you are. When the things that you say about yourself, where the things that you say in private, in small groups, are also true in public and in large groups, are also true at work, are also true in debates with friends that you go to church with or friends that you're at the bar with on Friday or Saturday. Um, when you bring your authentic self to all of those different places, then something changes in you. Um, so that's what this gear is about. Again, the 1776 drinkware, guys, if you want the 3%er, um, the, the 13 star ring um, with the 3% in the middle, if you want that on there, then go ahead and let me know. Um, and we'll make it happen. Um, but yeah, anyway, the promo code is stand your ground all one word. They got every, we got we got cups, we got socks, which is something I never thought that I'd be selling. Um, but we got three percent or 1776 socks uh out there. Um, obviously your support Trump merch, uh the star ring 45. So all that stuff's available at the website. It's djmobleyshow.com. Uh, but make sure that you use the promo code stand your ground. Um, because guys, it's not going to get easier every day. Uh, things get worse and worse. Um, <clears throat> all right. So talk about the founders thoughts about the second amendment. The amendment was not for self-defense. It is not now that would, that would make us a, a contextualist that, that would not make us, you know, we, we, we can't have that constitutional doctrine to make the constitution say what we want it to say today. Uh, the right to self-defense is important and is being challenged all of the time. That's not what the second amendment is about. The second amendment is about warding off tyranny, tyrannical governments, warding off the ambition of enterprises being a barrier against it. That's the quote that we're leaving on the screen. That's what the second amendment is. All right. So getting into the self-defense conversation, I think self-defense applications of personal firearm ownership are great. I carry a firearm absolutely everywhere that I lawfully can. And I tell most people that they have never seen me out in public without a firearm or other lethal weapons present. I, I just don't travel that way. Um, apologies if you can hear my dog. You know that I love to hate my sweet little Yorkie. Um, who's really like a fancy Yorkie. He's a, he's a silky terrier, which is just another thing I think he does to spite me. Uh, but anyway, I digress. I, I want to talk about a couple of things about the realities with, with 
firearm ownership and with living with a firearm for that self-defense, defense of others, property, and livelihood application. Uh, we're not on YouTube, but other platforms. I, I'll be, you know, if I decide to handle these firearms, it is going to be instructive. Um, former law enforcement, former military firearms instructor here. So this this is, it's very appropriate for me to be doing this and handling uh, these weapons. They are, they are safe. Nothing in there. You can, you can see me through the magazine well. No magazine in. Uh, same thing with the with the Hellcat here. Look, you can see me through there. Nothing in it. Perfectly safe. And of course, we are the weapon. You and I are the weapon. This is just a tool. Um, you know, firearms aren't supposed to be. Uh, pretty. You ever see someone out at the range, um, out in the woods, on the hunt, wherever, and they treat their gun like a laptop, like they want like a safety case for it. Um, you know, they they want a, a screen protector for it or whatever. They treat it very daintily. Guys, this is a tool, okay? It's a tool just like a hammer drives nails. This drives justice into those who commit injustice. Um, and firearms have been used to deliver justice all over the world for many, many years, and they will for many years to come. All right, so some thoughts about that, because there are some inconsistencies. I am going to lose some friends here. I don't care. I, I really don't. Should people be required? Um, should people be required to have concealed weapons permits? No. Uh, I believe in constitutional carry. Um, you know, right now, they're the four pieces of plastic steal from Dave Ramsey here that everyone should have in their wallet. You should have your ID. You should have your your personal debit card. You should have your business debit card because I believe in side hustles and I believe that we were created to make earnings, not wages, not to be paid by another, but to to make an, a living to earn um, by creating value in the marketplace. So your your personal debit card your business debit card, and that fourth thing is your concealed weapons permit. If you live in the place that requires concealed weapons permits. Um, we've already had, I think it was a Missouri AG kind of rebuked the FBI and Director Christopher Wray um, for saying that they were sending, you know, the goon squad, the Federal Bureau of Injustice, to audit um, concealed weapon permit holder documents. And the AG said no, and good for him because that is, an, a, that is a threat. That is a true threat against the security um, of the free state, which is the Second Amendment. That is a, a true threat to it for the Fed boys to come in and basically make their own illegal, unconstitutional registry by creating a second record of all of the information about concealed weapons permit holders. And I hate the fact that I have to have a concealed weapons permit. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, and I, I long for the day that Virginia does away with it and has constitutional carry um, and that um, Justice Thomas drops that on everyone as well to say that all of these regulations and things against guns are unconstitutional per the Constitution and for basically the ATF 
to be overturned and everything that they've ever done to be overturned. I, I, I long for the day. Um, but yeah, every every man, woman, and child should be able to carry and use firearms, period. It should be up to, you know, I guess there's an argument say it should be up to the parents what the ages um, of their children are. Uh, but I've seen uh, six years old, I've seen six-year-olds on the range that can handle themselves, that know that guns are not toys, um, that know that they kill. These kids have a better understanding of life and death, of tragedy, um, of good and evil uh, than many adults because their parents are bringing them up correctly. My children know um, as of today. Today's one of my children's birthday. But as of today, I've got a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a 10-month-old. And all of them, except for the 10-month-old, know what firearms are. They know how they work. They know where they are. And they know that they kill people. They know that they cause death and destruction. And they can be used for righteous, just causes or for evil, unjust causes. You might disagree. I don't care. Um, Should people be required to have training? This is where I lose friends. No. People should not be required to have any training of any kind to own, carry, or use firearms. No. Uh, There's more of an argument that people should have training requirements for the use of a car, for... You can make a better argument for, you know, building a house or or owning and operating a business that they need to be some requirements for that uh, than for the use and safe handling of firearms. If you're not trained with the knife and you're in the kitchen and someone comes in and tries to rape you, use the knife to kill them. So what? You've not had knife training. You have the right. You have the natural right to use whatever is at your disposal to try and protect and preserve your life, your livelihood and the life of others, period. Um, Will you be greatly benefited by firearms training? Yeah. But should it be a requirement of firearm ownership or carrying firearms in society? No, it shouldn't. Um, Are all gun laws infringements? Some people have asked this question. Um, Lots of Christians, they try and get you, just like the Pharisees tried to get Jesus, kind of ironically, about, you know, about following laws, listening to the government, about giving unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and then saying that gun laws are infringements. They're saying, oh, that's that's sin. That's incongruent. That's not right. No, I, I believe that all gun laws are infringements. Um, the Constitution says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. We've got background checks. We've got age requirements. We've got location requirements and gun-free zones. You can't bring them into this municipal building or into this school or into this church or into this circus on the second Sunday of every odd-numbered year or something like that. The location restrictions are outrageous. So we got uh, we got age, we got location, we've got magazine capacities, we've got uh, rules and regulations about the length of barrel. None of these things make guns more or less dangerous. None of these laws have been shown in any court of law, in any scientific experiment or any uh, um, polling survey or anything like that to significantly or even marginally reduce gun crime, reduce violent crime, protect or preserve 
the life or livelihood of others. None of these gun laws, the, the fact that this rifle has to be this long, you can't even see it there on the screen. Goodness gracious. The fact that this rifle has to be this length because a half an inch shorter is a felony unless you you pay the government goons a big tax stamp and get it all registered and blah, 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 blah. It's outrageous, okay? The, the muzzle velocity, the, the just the the lethality of the of the round leaving the chamber is marginally different different if this thing were two or three inches shorter or between a 10 inch rifle and a 16 inch rifle and and guys we're we're not we're not shooting 500 yard or 5 600 meter shots with with short barreled rifles that's just not something that people are doing and to tell you the truth with 16 inch rifles uh with 18 with 20 inch rifles people aren't people aren't out here taking those chris kyle you know sniper shots that's that's just not realistic um i believe that all gun laws rules and regulations are infringements because they are they're there's your right to keep and bear arms. There's your right to have the weapon, to carry it wherever you would want to use it in whatever manner you would like, whether you would like it to be loud and and striking fear into people's hearts if you have to discharge it inside your home or inside a business, or if you want it to be quiet and preserve your hearing and try not to give away locations and use suppressors. It doesn't matter. If you want it to be longer and kind of a, a quick response gun, a go back gun, a truck gun, something that you pull out of the trunk and it's got that 16 inches on it so that you can deliver justice from 75, 80 yards comfortably. Great. If you want that rifle to live inside a backpack and be a 10 inch rifle that you can be in the coffee shop and the active killer comes in and thinks that they're going to have their way and you, instead of being left with just a pistol and they have a rifle probably fully they can do whatever they want they're a killer they're they're a mass murderer they're coming there to commit uh crime to commit violence and the the laws and the regulations say that you've got to use a glock with 10 rounds in it but maybe you would rather have a 10 inch rifle that you can pull out of your backpack maybe with a collapsible or foldable stock and take that out boom 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 take care of business right there uh at the bookstore at the coffee shop all of these regulations do, these rules, these nonsense laws, is they give the upper hand uh, to the killers. All right. There, there are these myths about people that carry weapons that we want to be these John Wayne badass heroes out here cowboying around, shooting guns off in the air. No, nothing can be further from the truth, okay? No one wants violence. No one wants to be out um, committing violence, stopping violence. We don't want to be in the presence of violence, but we know that people do bad things and that there are people that are equipped, uh, that the Lord has given the warrior spirit to, or a sense of awareness that they're able to overcome their propensity for cowardice or their propensity to choose run or hide and instead to choose fight, uh, which is a lot of mama bears out there which is a lot of papa bears out there too, don't have the, the warrior mindset. They're not scanning for threats all the time. When, when I'm out and about, it's, it's pretty wild. And my wife didn't talk to you about this, how I see the world, how I look at people, interact with people, how I watch walls, uh, door positioning, the directions that doors open, 
you know, how I'm looking for cover and concealment in all of my environments, then that's who I am. That's what I do. But the fact is most most people don't and that's great. And those people ought to be able to carry whatever means to protect themselves that they want, whether that be an axe or whether that be uh, a short barrel rifle or a pistol with a can on it. Whatever, they need to be able to do that. We do not want to shoot people. If we did, then we would be out shooting people. There's nothing anyone could do to stop that. Um, so here's the thing. There's a decision point for people um, when we get to the when we get to the conversation on um, again, still empty, still empty. We can we can see each other right there. When we get to the point in the conversation where we're saying, should I carry a gun or not? Um, it's an individual decision with lots of um, lots of things to consider. One of those things to consider is what I call the decision point. And it's basically you need to decide beforehand that you are capable of pulling the trigger. Not, not physically, not physically capable as in can you do this? But you need to decide before purchasing a firearm, having a firearm in your house and a safe and a nightstand or wearing one on your waistband that you are willing and able to take the life of another. You, you can't assume if you needed to shoot someone that they would just be injured. You need to assume that they, that they would die. Um, it's a very likely outcome of shooting someone. That decision needs to be made. No training, none of that. The decision that if put in the situation, I am willing to use lethal force. That's what everyone's freaking out about, about the IRS agents. I think it's point number four um, in the job requirements underneath um, underneath being willing to carry a firearm. It says uh, to use lethal force if necessary. Guys, that is on all law enforcement job descriptions from local jail guard up to uh, Secret Service agent on the presidential detail. Any job that requires training and the carriage and use of firearms is going to have that bullet on there. And I've been telling people that since they announced this IRS agent nonsense. I've been telling people the scary thing about this is that they're 1811 series agents with federal statutory power of arrest. Not the fact that they have guns. I don't care if they have guns. I have better guns. I have more guns than, than those types of agents. And I have better training as well. Um, but here's the thing. The decision is if you are going to carry a gun, if you're going to own a gun, have it at home in a safe, in a nightstand, in a go bag, a truck gun, whatever, you have to decide beforehand that you are willing to take the life of another if necessary. If not, then you are going to very likely um, hurt yourself with that firearm. 
you're you're very likely to get disarmed and cause and to be injured by your own um firearm you you can't make the decision yes i'm willing to kill someone in that moment when the threat is actually there it's something that you have to do well beforehand that is all the training that is all the preparedness that i think is necessary to make the decision to keep and bear arms uh, i i when people say, do you think everyone should have a firearm? I say no, but just about everyone. Everyone who is able to honestly answer that question, not beyond a reasonable shadow of a doubt, if you get to, I am more likely than less likely to use lethal force, then I would say go for it. Get your gun today. Get two guns. Get the permit if you need it. Keep one in your car. Keep one um, in your nightstand. Uh, keep a carry gun that you carry with you. Maybe get a couple while, while you're into it. Maybe get three or four. Also, it pisses off the uh, the Fed boys because you know you you run that form. It's just a federal background check, but they don't know how many guns you're buying. So decide to get three, four, or five, and you do the background check the one time, and you walk out with your three, four, or five guns, and it's great. And maybe if you're a person of means. Just go in and take the background check. No intention of buying a firearm. Just to get more of those background checks on the books. Just to dissuade them from nonsense. I, I think especially when, when I am in a better cash flow position, I'm just going to go in and just occasionally get background checks uh, just, just to get on their nerves. All right. So that brings me to my last topic. Uh, so training. Uh, training is not a bad thing, but it's certainly not... A requirement. It's not something that I could say that everyone needs to have. Um, so the training, the training that I fully endorse is you got to understand that there's two classifications of training. There's tactical training, and then there's just shooting training. Tactics and shooting, weapons handling, marksmanship, weapons manipulation, those are two different topics entirely. Um, now, part of the issue is tactics wins, period. Um, if you have a gun in the back, you, you listening to this, you have a gun in the back of a Navy SEAL's head, um, if you're touching them with the gun, they're probably going to disarm you and kill you. But if you have the tactical awareness to know um, not to be within arms, reach of them because a firearm is a reach out and touch you weapon. It is not a physical contact weapon. The gun doesn't need to be touching or near the person that you're shooting. It's a big, stupid mistake that people make. But you're standing about 10 feet behind them. You got that gun locked onto the back of their head. Who wins in that fight? You or the Navy SEAL? Well, you do because you have a tactical advantage. It doesn't matter. They, they have way better training than you. Um, but they've made a tactical error that has resulted in you being a good distance behind them with a lethal weapon point at the back of their head. They're done. Their life is in your hands. So tactics always wins. The problem is tactics is the, the second layer of training. So it, it, it's that middle part of the pyramid or maybe even the top part of the pyramid. I would say I would say the bottom is I would say the pyramid goes like this: the base, the foundation is shooting training. This is weapon safe weapons handling, manipulation, and marksmanship. How to actually run the gun? 
how to make it go boom every time, how to fix it if it doesn't, how to keep it fed, cleaned, functioning, and how to get rounds on target. Knowing the four basic fundamentals, knowing all of those uh, safety rules, and knowing how to effectively, effectively run the gun. That's shooting training. That's the foundation. Then there's tactics. And then context, I think, sits on top of everything. Um, So that's how firearm training goes. So everyone should engage in shooting training to know how to reliably use the weapon so they can safely take it out from wherever that concealment is, put it on target, and put rounds into that target and that target only. I think that's the basic level of training uh, that I would encourage people to get. If you're a more engaged person in the firearms culture, and if you take seriously your responsibility as a protector and, and or anything like that, then you should get all three levels of training. You should get a deep knowledge of, of the shooting training, safe weapons, handling, manipulation, and use, um, so that whenever you have to use a, a firearm, you have full faith in your capability to get rounds where they need to go um, when, when to make sure that you don't get threat focused. So when things present themselves in the environment that are not targets, that you're not flagging those things, um, you're responsible for every round that leaves the chamber and you're confident. You're confident in those rounds where they're going. Um, You're confident in your weapon. You're confident in your ammo selection. I, I think that shooting training is something that everyone can engage in. Tactics. Tactics is something totally different. Tactics is when we're talking... When we're talking force multiplier, fire manipulation, we're talking shoot, move, and communicate. We're talking angles of approach. We're talking about recognizing deliberate ambushes. Maybe the shape of the ambush is in an L-shaped ambush. Recognizing things like this, recognizing this is a choke point. You're looking at doors and you're saying, I can see the hinges. This is an this is an uh, outward opening door. You're knowing which direction the doorknob is on. It's going to it's going to open the opposite way. You're, you're looking at all that kind of stuff. I can't see the hinges. This is an inward opening door that goes, you know, back into the room. This is a door that I can kick in, not something that I would need to take off with the hammer. You're, you're, you're getting into tactics. You're thinking about the difference between cover and concealment. You're thinking about avenues of approach when you sit in a diner. You're thinking about visibility, limited visibility. You're thinking about lighting conditions. You're thinking about uh, ingress and ing- ingress and egress and all of these types of things. That is tactics. The problem is you can't set tactics on top of a foundation of nothing. So if you don't have the basic shooting training, you, you can't set tactics on nothing. There, there's got to be something there. So you, you have your shooting training, then your tactics goes on top of that then your context goes on top of that. Guys, this is how law enforcement academies do it. This is how the military does it. When you get there, the military, they practically give you your gun the first thing they give you. They, they give you your ID, your dog tags, your uniforms, all of the crazy shots, and then boom, like day one, they give you that M16, that M4 uh, rifle, and it becomes your lifeline. You, you do everything with that weapon. 
they train you on shooting, 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 making you a marksman, making you proficient at shooting. And then they put tactics on top of that base of knowledge. The base of knowledge has got to be shooting, how to make the gun run, how to make this simple machine reliably work in expected ways so that the rounds go on target every single time. Then you have your, your tactical training. Do I think private citizens would be well served by tactical training? Yes, I do. It would be awesome if everyone could do it. I would like to do more tactical training than I've been able to do. Um, but is it necessary? No, because in most contexts, uh, if it, if the revolution is coming, and then, then yeah, tactics is something that you're going to need to have. Um, outside of just overwhelming force. And the the unfortunate thing is if wherever you fall on the tactical spectrum, that's kind of your life expectancy because tactics wins always. Again, going back to that, you've got the drop on, you were that 10, 11 feet behind the Navy SEAL weapon train on the back of their head, you win. You have the tactical advantage. They made some kind of boo-boo, doesn't matter how it came to be, but you have the tactical advantage. If you have the base of knowledge of shooting, then they're dead. If you don't and you fire and miss, ooh, very likely that that encounter is going to go different for you. Yeah, but again, that, that's why tactics can't be set on top of a base of nothing. Tactics has to be set on top of that basis of knowledge that is safe handling manipulation and fire and shooting training. The money thing, people talk about the money thing all the time. It is not hard to become an expert in the foundation of shooting training because 90 plus percent of it can be done at home. Dry firing practice, safe handling and weapons manipulation, making sure that you can get good handle on the firearm with both hands, making sure that you can reliably shoot with your non dominant hand, or your weak hand, as some people say, or your non-firing hand, which is interesting because it's your non-firing hand, but then you put the weapon in it, then it is your firing hand. Um, making sure that you can reliably uh, get sight acquisition, target acquisition with both eyes, individually with both eyes, or maybe just with both eyes open should an injury occur to one eye, that you can reliably um, shoot with whatever eye you have, whatever hand you have, arm you have. Um, all of this stuff can be done from home. And I tell people this, uh, and uh, we're near the bottom of the list, and we're, we're an hour and 12 minutes. So I'll, uh, I'll end it here. But you can get all the training that you need with this, 90-plus percent of it at home by just dry firing and unholstering and reholstering, okay? So um, maybe you're that person that you have a firearm, you don't get a lot of range time, you don't put in a lot of reps or whatever. This is all that you got to do. Um, and you, you don't need the, the cool guy. You don't need the cool guy gun. Um, I get a lot of comments about this gun. This is a, um, this is a Springfield Hellcat RDP uh, that my wife, bought for me. It's got a red dot on it. it it's got a cool uh, 
light on it. Um, it's a TLR7 sub, if if anyone was wondering. And this the the red dot is the hex wasp reticle that comes with the RDP. Um, and it is, I don't like the hex, uh, tell you the truth. I'm actually actively um, transitioning to a hollow sun, uh, which is just a much more reliable uh, red dot. The refresh rate on here is insane. It drives me freaking crazy. But you don't need you don't need this. You don't need this with with the comp and a silencer and all of that stuff, threaded barrel with lights with lasers. You don't need this. And the reason that I um, the reason I even brought this one out is to show you this is this is the polymer frame uh, six hour pistol. It's a Sig Pro 2022, which is kind of Sig's take at the Glock. Um, that's what it looks like. Uh-oh, if it's going to focus. Oh, my camera doesn't want to focus. Interesting. Hmm. Anyways, this is what it looks like. I carried this gun for more than 10 years, absolutely everywhere um, that I could lawfully carry a firearm super simple gun um it's got the sig factory night sights on it no light no lasers no you know super cool guy grip just the factory grip on there just the factory the factory trigger on there nothing nothing super special about this uh, I am crazily proficient with this gun. When I carry the Hellcat, when I carry other guns, it still feels awkward. It feels like I'm cheating on this. Um, but getting this gun out and on target feels exactly the same as just pointing my finger. Feels exactly the same. I'm that comfortable. I am that proficient with this non-cool guy gun. This isn't one of the P-series pistols. This isn't a 229, a 226, a 228, um, one of those cool guy guns. This isn't one of the all steel, you know, that SEALs use and Secret Service use and uh, Leroy Jethro Gibbs from NCIS uses. No, no, no. This is the, this is the cheap polymer frame six-hour pistol that competes with the Glock and um, with K&H and, and other polymer frame. Uh, I guess the Springfield XD is a competitor to this. It's nothing special. You can get crazily proficient with whatever weapon that you have. Um, yeah, so here's what you do. Here's what you do, and then I'll wrap. That weapon that you have, carry it. And every day, you, you, take, you put the weapon on, you take the weapon off. That's two engagements. This is all you got to do. You got to put it on wherever it is that you carry. I appendix carry, so the motion is, you know, I reach down, boom. Uh, shirt up, pistol, drive, boom. Good to go. When you put the weapon on, you know, make sure it's clear, make sure it's safe, unloaded, all that jazz. No, no brass, no ammo, no magazine. Um, put it on, uncover it, get it out of the concealment garment, draw it, and present. Draw, clear garment, draw, present. Do that five times. 
then load the pistol and put it on. Later that night, you're going to sleep. I imagine you don't sleep with your firearm on unless you're a real weirdo. Um, you got to take it off, take it off, unload it, make sure it's unloaded, no brass, no ammo, no magazine. Do the same thing again. Put it in the concealment, clear concealment, draw, present. Do that five times. That's 10 reps a day. You can add some dry fire in there, clear concealment, draw, present, get on target. Maybe I like to have people point at something small in the room. Uh, things that work excellent if you have a light switch, maybe on the outside of your closet, that should be pointed in the same direction. Uh, pointing at a light switch, pointing at the screw, the little screw at the top or bottom of the light switch. Perfect, small, tiny little target. Um, get five to 10 yards away from it. Clear concealment, draw, present, <sighs> exhale while you're doing all that. Boom, break one, dry fire, trigger squeeze on that thing, recharge, reholster, do it again. You do five or 10 of those every time you take your firearm on or you put your firearm on, take your firearm off. You will be more proficient than eight or nine out of 10 shooters. That includes police, military, guys, they, it sucks, but they just, they don't have the training and the proficiency that people think that they do. And that's just been superimposed on us by Hollywood. I'm a better shot than most soldiers that you know, Marines, airmen, whatever. Uh, definitely most police officers. And it's fine. It's fine. You know, they're doing the thing, their job, writing tickets and going to domestic disputes and whatever. Um, I, I'm just better in a gunfight. And that that's fine. You can be that way too. You don't need the endless budget. You don't need all of the cool guy gear. I'm telling you right now, with this very not cool guy pistol, I, I, a lot of people make fun of me for this pistol. I don't care. I could care less. This gun has done everything that I've wanted to do and more. Um, but with whatever gear that you have, or if you're on the fence and you're thinking about it, I'm telling you, you can you can buy the gun and not have any ammo, not have any bullets, period, and just do the thing that I'm telling you to do. And you will become amazingly, amazingly proficient uh, with safe handling use and firing a firearm. Just doing that. Draw, clear concealment, draw, present dry fire, reset, reholster. Um, so just do that. And then, you know, have 90% of your practice be dry fire, putting that weapon out there, pointing at something, clean, trigger squeeze, boom. Have 90% of your practice being that, and then go do 5 8 10% of your training at the live fire range, firing real rounds. One, that training will be more bang for the buck. It'll be more worth it. Um, and you'll, you'll actually know what you're doing uh, with the firearm. So that's all that I got for today's episode. Uh, guys, thanks so much for watching today's show. A little bit of a different show, but I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, love hearing your thoughts. The email address is ask at the Joe Mobley show.com. Thanks again for Birch Gold for being a sponsor of the show. Got to thank uh, my pillow and everyone over um, at my pillow, especially Mike Lindell, for being a sponsor of the show. 
Guys, make sure that you get their wonderful products um, on their website, mypillow.com. Use promo code MOBLY uh, to get some serious discounts on your gear. Again, it's mypillow.com, promo code MOBLY. Uh, or you can just type mypillow.com slash mobily. The discount's already applied. Uh, so go and check that out. Guys, we got some awesome interviews on the way for you this week. I am going to go celebrate a birthday. I hope you guys have a good one. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.